from South Bend, Indiana, I'm Jacob Titus. Welcome to More People. More People is a new article and podcast series written by Joe Molner and published on West SB that explores how South Bend lost 50,000 people in 50 years. On each episode, I'll be joined by Joe and my South Bend On Purpose co-host, Dustin Mix, to discuss the latest article in the series, how it was received online, and what's coming up next. Welcome to episode four of More People. I'm Jacob Titus, and I am, as usual, joined by Joe Molnar and Dustin Mix. And before we get started with our conversation about the fourth article in the More People series, Joe has some qualifying statements for us <laughs> to uh, control uh, control the anger, I guess, is yeah, this how one... you were saying it. Yeah, so this one got um, a lot of passionate response kind of from every different angle of both the South Bend area and the political spectrum, which is good because I think it, it got a lot of people thinking. And even if they disagreed with me, like those are good conversations to have usually as long as everyone's being respectful. But there's a couple of things I wanted to like get out there before we dive into the numbers and like what I think they show um, first deindustrialization was bad for South Bend. St. Joe County used to have a higher median income than the country. Now it has a lower median income of the country. Not much. It's like really, really close. We're, but we're probably like 45th percentile. Um, so where we used to be wealthier than the country as a whole county, now we are slightly poorer than the country. So, And that's almost entirely a consequence of a lot of manufacturing jobs um, leaving the city that paid really well and they weren't replaced by equivalent jobs that paid as much. So that's qualifying statement number one, just that I do understand that, that as a whole, the county has slipped behind the country where before it was ahead, but still, we are still not by any means in the bottom of, you know, counties in the country where we're kind of right in the middle, just a, a couple thousand behind in our median income. Um, but we used to be, I think, in the top third. So that is a fall. And and that is um, traced to deindustrialization. A lot of people pointed that out in comments like, oh, well, you're comparing South Bend to the county. Um, you know, you really need to be comparing the county to the country. So I, I did want to clarify that, like, that is true, um, that, that that did happen and how has it happened it affected our whole county um median income and then the second statement i think that should be get out there be before we really dive into this piece is that um saint joe county as a whole um brings in people so people come into saint joe county than the whole area um, so people who live in Marshall County where Plymouth is or up north where Niles, a lot of those people come into St. Joe County, too. Um, and when we talk about people uh, commuting into South Bend to work, they're not all from St. Joe County. Some of those are coming from Elkhart or Lapore or Marshall or, you know, up north in Michigan. So when we talk about that portion of the piece, um, it's not just St. Joe County residents from like Granger, Mishawaka or the unincorporated area. It includes, you know, everybody basically who could possibly be coming into South Bend. 
So those are just two statements that there were a lot of questions and comments about. And I wanted to get those out there that like, I understand that, but I don't think it's really changes the overall narrative of the piece still. Cool. Thanks. So the title of this article is more people jobs stayed in South Bend, but employees left. And the kind of framing statement that we used on social media was everyone has their own story about why South Bend's population declined, the most common being a lack of jobs. But the problem is not that South Bend lacks good paying jobs. The problem is that its residents do not hold them. And Joe, from the beginning, you kind of framed this article as a response to some of the common rebuttals that um, we had received over the past three articles. Um, would you say that's that's true? That uh, that was kind of some of the motivation for writing this piece. And can you like talk us through a little bit of that? Um, what were some of these kind of common uh, responses that we were receiving to the previous three articles that inspired this piece? Sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. This is the first piece that doesn't follow any type of chronological um, stories. The first one focused on individual neighborhoods through 50 years, and then the other two served in certain time periods. This is the first general like topic on jobs. Um, and there'll be a couple more. Um, but this one is kind of, and it's a transition in that way, and it's setting up pieces later to come on. But this was, I wrote it mostly because I don't know if I would have spent so much time on jobs, except that the response to the whole series so far has really been, you know, it's been good. And there's been a lot of people who've had very thoughtful things to say, but a lot of the less thoughtful things to say, the, the knee jerk reaction, I think always is, well, South Bend lost a lot of jobs. So everybody left. Like that's the number one response probably. And then there's flavors yeah. of that. They'll add in because the Democrats have ran the city. So they ran into the ground, all the jobs left or unions pushed out the jobs or like they pick on whatever I call them, like the boogeyman, like whatever boogeyman they think ruined South Bend. They just say, you know, bad mayors did it. And they, but like the end result, they always say is there's no jobs in South Bend anymore. Like they're convinced that all the jobs are gone in South Bend. Mm -hmm. And that's why we've lost people. Yeah, I wanted one thing that I wanted to talk about. You were saying that there are lots of different flavors of this. One thing that's been interesting to me, and I think we saw it even in the response to this article as well, is that um, these responses um, don't all come from like the same ideological end of the spectrum. No, like it's not like it's just um, kind of like conservative or like. Uh, right-wing um, responses or, or the opposite or from the left, uh, a lot of these responses, sometimes that are very similar, are coming from people at opposite ends of the political spectrum. Have you noticed that? Oh, yeah. And especially this piece, because this was the most like current event type article. So the other ones have really focused on the past. And I think that let people have some distance to it. But because this one... Um, due to the lack of data, I really had to focus on what the city looks like now and then kind of push that back and say, okay, well, if it looks like this now, it couldn't have caused this decline, you know, mm -hmm. in the past. Um, and because it's kind of current events and because, you know, people have jobs, so they're very affected by if there are a lot of them or not. And people have opinions on this area and in South Bend, if there are good jobs or not, um, it really came through. So yeah, on the far, you know, conservative right end of the political spectrum, it was kind of 
you know, Democrats ruin the city. And I predicted that at the very beginning of the article, like that's, right. that's one of the, you know, Democrats have had, had, you know, political control in South Bend since the seventies and they just see that and line it up and say, okay, Democrats ruined it. Um, but then on the far left, you get almost a different flavor of the exact same setting. Like, well, the, the corporate Democrats ruined South Bend slash businesses mm -hmm. ruin South Bend. So they'll say like, you know, any good business closed like Bendix or South Be or uh, Studebaker or, you know, all these, you know, quote unquote, good jobs. And now we just have bad jobs like Amazon um, and warehousing jobs. So it it kind of and then they both blame the political spectrum. So it's it's interesting, like whenever I write these, like. It's it's funny to me how simple some people think it is. Because like if it was this simple, Salpin would have fixed it. <laughs> like they think it's just like oh, yeah. like this one thing was bad, and then like it ruined a whole place. Like, well, okay, mm -hmm. I don't think Salpin's ruined. Like I enjoy living here for one, which like that's been the one I'd say like negative response that I really don't like getting because it it just makes me cringe and kind of get upset. Because like I really enjoy living in Salpin. Like Salpin could not change, and you know places always have to change. But like I I like South Bend the way it is. I want it to get better. Like it can be better. It can be the best version of South Bend. Um, it, we've gone through a lot of hard times. I don't want to mitigate that, but I still think it's a really good place to live a life. Um, and some of these responses are just like, it's a, you know, it's a shithole. It's, you know, it's crime ridden. It's terrible. You know, like everything, there's no reason to be there. And it's just like, it's people who like live in Mishawaka and live in the county and sometimes even live in South Bend who have these opinions. I'm like, if you hate where around where you live so much, like that just sounds like an awful, like awful existence um, yeah. to be yeah. so filled with anger at just the place you inhabit. Like, why don't you move? <laughs> like, it's, yeah. I don't want to encourage people to move. Like if you really do think that, but I do think like, obviously a lot of these responses are just on Facebook. Um, and I, you know, Facebook has its own certain kind of like it, the, the article gets thousands of views and it gets 30 comments. And, the you know, that's not really representative of the thousands of people who read it. I did, yeah. And I uh, I was just going to say that I, I'm glad you, you brought up the like a lot of these responses seem to just say like, oh, no, like it's simpler than you think. And you don't need to write a whole article about this because it's simple. Um, but it, to me, like the the big lesson from more people so far, at least for me is, wow, like it's a lot more complex than I thought it was. And I, and I thought it was complex. Um, and it's even more so. And, and one part of the series that really pointed that out to me was, I think it was the previous article, article number three, that you started with the quote from mayor Lloyd Allen, who <laughs> was the, he's currently the, most recent Republican mayor uh, in the seventies. And he was saying kind of what you've been saying and more people that we have this problem of people leaving and that um, it's putting a burden on the poorest residents who uh, need government services. Um, and it, so it's interesting to me to have people kind of saying this simple, like, well, if you had Republican mayors, uh, this wouldn't have been a problem, but the most recent Republican mayor um, really probably wouldn't agree with these people. Yeah, no, I don't think I mean, after eight years of being mayor and arguably like he he got 
quite a bit of credit when he left office from from the press and from Democrats and Republicans that he he accomplished what he wanted to do. He had set out to really fix roads and, and, and kind of streamline a lot of government services and make the bureaucracy of, of city government more efficient. Um, but even after eight years of of him being mayor and doing these things south, you know, the seventies was the worst decade of, you know, population decline that we've ever had. Um, so per person. Um, so I, yeah, it's, it's interesting. Even after eight years of him being in office, it didn't matter. And I think it's, it's kind of just weird how, and I think maybe it's just cause people, it's easy for them to think the world is black and white, but like what happened to South Bend and especially what happened to South Bend in conjunction with what happened to St. Joe County is an extreme shift. Like a lot of big, big things happened and changed the dynamics. Um, something we talk about at work is like every day, thousands of people make individual decisions for a thousand different reasons. And all those cumulatively move the city one way or the other and, and have effects on it. And mm. in order to get, a factory you had the city grew population nearly every single decade up to the 60s and then the exact opposite happens for five decades and you have neighborhoods that just a few decades earlier were prosperous and filled with people and a great place to live with a really tight ecosystem of bakeries and restaurants like on every little south bend main street like in each neighborhood and then like 30 years later it's almost all gone like that is a societal, a societal collapse at the very small local level, all while you have, like we've talked about before, extreme growth outside of the city. You know, what was once mm. lots of lots of farmlands became beautiful cul-de-sacs and subdivisions and all, you know, like a huge transfer of wealth out from the city to outside of the city in just a matter of a couple decades. Like that can't just be explained by bad mayor. Like it's, it's, it's much bigger yeah. than, and when you look at the bigger Rust Belt picture, this happened in every Rust Belt city in some flavor, some handled it better than others, but like every single area in the Midwest, every single primary city in the Midwest faced this. So you like, they all didn't have Democrat mayors. Like they are like, Indiana is a very red state and has been a very red Republican state for decades. And like that didn't do anything. If anything, the policies they put in place made it worse in South Bend. Like, there's so much to this and um, to just say, oh, this one simple thing could have fixed it. It's just like it's just kind of arrogant, <laughs> like just like I'm mm -hmm. very humble with the article series that like I know like this is a super big problem and it's super complex and I'm just scratching the surface on different topics that you could write whole books on. Um, so I'll, I'll admit like I might be missing part of the equation, but I I would air on the side that like it's more complicated than I can explain then like it's less complicated. Yeah. I, I do think it's interesting reading some of the comments <clears throat> while uh, I definitely don't believe I agree with a lot of them or especially don't agree with the, the delivery of a lot of them. Um, I do think it points out a tension in like what we're doing overall with this series, which is, like this is the 30,000 foot statistical aggregate level, which it is not hard for that narrative to collide with an individual experience and story. Mm -hmm. yeah. So I, I think like it, it is like a tension of just the kind of data and 
like things we're analyzing is like it is so easy for this like what averages tell you or aggregate numbers tell you or trends across generations tell you to like come in conflict with the direct experience of people and and especially i think in a city where we've talked in past articles and podcasts about like this does not affect everybody equally right and like the movements and and how people move through these different brackets of whether it's about population or jobs like it, it is disproportionate to who um is in each of those groups whether you're you're talking by race or immigrant status etc um so i think like i think like one thing that i take i guess from those arguments even if i don't kind of maybe believe the the full-on conclusions are drawing is like i think we got into this a little bit at the end of the last podcast but like the question like what is a city (laughs) you know and i think like this particular article starts to ask like what does it mean for jobs to be in a city yeah because like i think it's also a definition problem like when you say jobs like part of it is like the very definition of like you know, the economic definition of a job. But I think when you also talks about like, there are jobs in South Bend, the general vernacular means there are jobs available in South Bend, right? So like, if we mm. talk about there's good sure, paying jobs in South Bend, it usually means in, in common parlance, it usually means like there's jobs you could go get that are good jobs. And I think yeah. that's the other thing that is like probably rubbing here is like, just even how we talk about the definitions of some of those things is like, we're not even necessarily talking about the same things like, um, right. and, and, it and it's yeah. Coming into yeah. Like, people's experiences as well. It, do, it doesn't help. It's happening at a time. So like we can start getting into the, the piece and the numbers about it. Um, everything I quote jobs wise comes from 2017 data. Cause that's the most up to date that the census has. And it doesn't help that we're doing this particular section at a time where, you know, the pandemic hit a couple months ago and our unemployment rate went from like 3.5, you know, in the city to 12, 13, 14 percent overnight. So it's not mm-hmm. it's not a really great time to be saying, oh, there's lots of jobs in South Bend um, because obviously a lot of jobs literally just vanished overnight um, and they're coming back slower than they and they vanished so that i do that is a kind of yeah. thing that i can get that grades at people and one there's one comment i think i i kind of want to address and then we can dive into the individual portions of the article is someone made the comment like are you implying by saying south Bend has a lot of jobs but its residents don't have them that it, the res it's the residents fault and that it, that's probably my fault that it came across that way because that's not at all what i'm saying um if anything, mm. I, I'm saying the opposite, that it's the fault of the people who have jobs in South Bend, but choose not to live in South Bend, because that choice then negatively impacts the people who do decide to live in South Bend. Um, and I, I, I that one really kind of I'm like, oh, that's a really good point. Like, I'm not saying, hey, it's their jobs here. Why can't our residents figure out how to get them? It's much more, I think, when people get these jobs and they get well-paying jobs, everything in this country and everything in our societal culture incentivizes them to leave South Bend. Um, and they, you typically do. Um, so that's not at all. I don't think the part of the residents who are, who are trying 
And like you said, Dustin, like, you know, it can count kind of callous to them who was like a mom working two jobs to keep food on the table. And then here I'm saying there's lots of jobs. Well, I think it'd be easier for her if those people who also had jobs in South Bend stayed here, um, which is kind of the crux of the piece. Right. Yeah. And so before we go too down, too far down the path of response to this article, let's go through the article a little bit and kind of understand where you took it. So you start off with um, three myths that you want to address. And so I think maybe I'll just read those three myths and then we can kind of go through them in order. Mm -hmm. So the first myth is South Bend lost population because all the jobs left. The second one is South Bend is a poor depopulated city because well-paying factory jobs went to other parts of the country or left the entire or left the region entirely. And the third one, South Bend has done nothing to combat deindustrialization and spur job growth. So do you want to get us started with the first one? Yeah. South Bend lost population because all the jobs left. Yeah. And I do want to say so of those, the first and the third going into writing I knew like I I had a hunch that were wrong because of preconceived things I had. And I went to click the second one. I actually kind of thought was true that like mm. I had, I would, I had guessed that the jobs in South Bend were worse paying than the ones outside of South Bend, but in the Metro um, as we get into that, though, we'll, we'll see that's not the case, but I did want to say like, I went into this kind of with a little more open mind about it. Like, well, maybe jobs is a bigger deal than I, than I had been giving it credit. Um, but yeah, myth one is, is usually very basic and we see it all the time when discussing population decline. And we saw it when Pete ran for president, um, you know, immediately articles would start with South Bend's this poor depopulated, you know, South Bend's a lost 30,000 people because Studebaker closed. Like, and that would be one sentence and that would explain why South Bend has less people. Um, and they would be given almost like just as fact, like Studebaker closed, other factories closed less people. Um, But if you look at the data in South Bend, there's about 60,000 jobs currently in 2017, most recent data. And in St. Joe County, there's a little over 120,000. So South Bend had a little less than half of the jobs in the whole county. But South Bend's percentage of the population for the county was actually just 38%. So South Bend actually has more jobs than it has people in relation to the county. Um, if mm. it was what, when people say, well, South Bend lost all these manufacturing jobs and all these other just jobs, like it used to have, you know, great before grape road existed and stuff. The mall was the prime shopping destination. So we lost those jobs. Like there's this idea that like, well, if you lose jobs, you're going to lose population automatically. And I just don't think that's true because if, if the reverse was true, um, South Bend would actually have about half the population in the county, not, 38% of it. And it's even more stark at the metro level. So in the metro area, the South Bend makes up 43% of jobs, but only 31% of the population. So we have like 40% more jobs per the, the metro than we do people. Um, so that kind of just blows a hole in the like, well, if you add a bunch of jobs, you'll add a bunch of people. Well, not necessarily at all. And if you lose a bunch of jobs, you you might not even lose people because if they can find jobs elsewhere, but remain living in South Bend. Um, And just as a note, none of these figures for South Bend include Notre Dame. 
So Notre Dame is, is a giant employer for our area. I think that the number one or number two, right with Beacon Medical, they employ like eight, 9,000 people in the area and barely any of those, I don't think any of those jobs are counted in that South Bend figure um, because they're all, Notre Dame is its own census designated place that you can click on, on the map that I did all this research and it, it pumps out like, yeah, there's 9,000 jobs in that location. Um, so that's also another kind of myth is like, oh, well, Notre Dame's the only reason there's anything in South Bend. Well, South Bend has like a lot of jobs, not even counting Notre Dame, which a lot of people think is in the city and it's not. Um, so that was the, the idea behind myth one is just that, you know, South Bend lost jobs. It was going to lose people when South Bend, I would probably bet has since we're close to 60,000, it was the highest since 2002. Um, the data goes back to O2 and the, the number we were at is like the highest or very close to the highest we've ever had in that 18 year period. And my bet was, was that it would, it's higher than it was in the sixties. Um, because in the 60s, you know, in the 50s and before women didn't largely work or if they, you know, a lot of, a lot more women didn't work than they do now. Um, and families were a lot bigger. So your population was bigger, but you actually still only had like one working person in the house. Well, as we've yeah. shown. So my bet is if I, I could go, but the data doesn't go back that far. Like, I bet we didn't have 60,000 jobs in 1960. Like it might have been close, but I doubt it was much higher just because um it, it it wouldn't match the population at all um so i that was kind of myth my bust to myth one is like well we actually have a lot of jobs if our jobs um per our county if like the percentage of jobs that we have in the county met our percentage of population that we have we'd actually have 128,000 people and not 102 mm. um well so that's, you... that's a big difference yeah, and one thing that you bring in in this conversation about Myth 1 is this chart, um, county population by time of day. And you bring up this idea that there are a lot of people that drive into South Bend uh, every day. So the daytime population of South Bend is 123,000, and the nighttime population 102,000. So there's a twenty, uh, roughly a 20% change in that every day of people coming in, uh, which kind of fights against this idea that, yeah, the jobs and people kind of move geographically uh, in tandem. Yeah. And that's, yeah, I think I said last time, this is my favorite stat, I think, of all these things we talk about is, is during the day, South Bend swells with people, like people come in and it's mm -hmm. not just jobs, it's also cultural things too, but it's mostly jobs. Um, and that counts anybody in South Bend leaving to go work somewhere outside of South Bend. So it, it's really, it, it's clear, it's like making up a lot of this. And if you look at Mishawaka, which gets a lot of credit for people like on most of these articles there's always at least one comment like mishawaka took all the good jobs um they increase but they only increase by 10 percent, and we increase by double that during the yeah. day um and granger you know not surprisingly at all loses 33 percent of its population during the day when all the people who live in granger they don't actually work in granger so they leave so granger is kind of an interesting case where if if the argument really is like jobs leaving the city cause the population to decline. Well, how does Granger exist? Cause Granger has barely any jobs. It has like 2000 jobs and it's, and it's like what we call Granger boundary and it has 33,000 people about. So 
that doesn't make any sense. Like Granger didn't grow because a new factory opened out there. Like Granger grew because it was a good place to live. You know, people thought um, it had nothing to do with job creation in Granger. So how can you say, well, in order for South Bend to grow, it has to add a bunch of jobs. Well, it won't really affect our if if we're adding a bunch of jobs in South Bend. It's good for South Bend. I I all I want to say that off the bat, like adding jobs will help South Bend. It's increased economic activity. It's increased property taxes. Like it's good, but it doesn't necessarily increase your population at all. If you bring in ten new jobs and none of those people end up living in your city, your population's still flat. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah. And, and another way to put that, which I think actually is where some of the people in the comments, I think there's actually alignment. And I think this comes up a little bit, Joe, and how you responded is that like another way to frame that, like there are jobs here, the people aren't here is like the opposite, which is there are jobs here, but they're not accessible to the people who do live here. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Which I think is what you're saying where it's like city adds 10 new jobs, but nobody in South Bend is able to get or access that job and people from outside the city come in and take them. Or it's, you know, so the actual number is about a three, three out of every four people who work in the city don't live here. Um, which is really high. Like I thought, like, I think Jake, you mentioned last time, if, if you would have made me guess, I probably would have put like it at half or maybe like a little bit more than half, like live and work in the city. I think maybe your average, like your just like average person in South Bend might just say the opposite that um, three out of four people who work in the city live in the city. Yeah, because it just kind of makes sense. Like people think like even today, like if a new, you know, again, I work for the city, like we put a lot of effort into attracting jobs here. And I think this data says we've done a pretty good job. Um, at least the, not we, the city, like over the past 50 years has done a pretty good job at keeping jobs in South Bend. Um, Whoa, jump into myth three. Yeah, there. jump into, yeah, sorry. <laughs> um, but it, yeah, it's, we think like a job opens on the West side. Oh, that's good for the people on the West side. Well, I, I would hope so, but there's no guarantee anybody on the West side can get that job um, due to a lot of different reasons. And what is even more interesting, which I don't really get into the pieces, say somebody living in South Bend does get a job and it's say it's a really good job. Well, if they're making more money, the chances are they're going to leave South Bend then. Like, that's mm-hmm. just like the more money you make, the more likely you don't live in South Bend. If you live in St. Joe County, like the as you get out of South Bend, the wealth goes up. So on average, the more money you make, the less likely you are to be in here uh, to be in the yeah. city. Um yeah. And the final kind of the final two things I I talk about during this myth um, is that like, so if if we averaged those two numbers I talked before, if we averaged the number of people, if if jobs purely equaled population, like per ratio in the county, we'd have like 128 during daytime, the census estimates, we have like 123. If you average those two numbers, we'd be at about 125,000 people in South Bend, which is still a drop from the 132 we had in 1960, but it's a, for one, it's about 90% better than what we have. Like the drop would, would have been 90% like easier to, to deal with. And two, that still accounts for what we've talked about declining household size. So like you'd still, you'd have way more households if everybody who worked in the city lived in the city. 
Um, mm-hmm. And then the final thing I kind of bring up is, is just like at a very macro level, like people say South Bend has no jobs. Well, South Bend has 0.57 jobs per one person in it in the city. So for every person, there's like 0.57 of a job. And like, obviously there are kids and there are seniors who are retired in the city. So, you know, that makes sense. It's not one-to-one in the whole United States. It's 0.49 to one person. So South Mm. Bend beats the country by like 25% better, which is just not at all what anybody would make you would like think that South Bend has more jobs on average than the country, like than the average generic, like United States. Yeah, I think, didn't you say that Chicago is uh, 0.5? Yeah, Chicago is 0.5. And like, there were a couple other places I looked at who were like, you know, they a couple were a little higher than South Bend, but most were below it. And like, it, no one was much higher. I think the highest, I, Fort Wayne was like 0.56. Um, Indy was like 0.52. So like South Bend actually kind of punches above its weight for jobs per population and i think part of that's reflected in the fact that like a lot of our suburbs aren't in the city while indy and fort wayne did get you know but like in Mm. in young and one of the things that was interesting is and this will get there's going to be an article comparing us to other rust belt cities but like youngstown which had a way worse collapse than south bend did you Mm. can kind of see that in the jobs they were like 0.48 compared to our 0.57 so Mm. you know it's just not evident to me that you can say it was simply like we lost jobs because we still have a lot of jobs here and people still don't live here so like it wasn't like a lot of people like three out of every four people who who work in this city have chosen not to live in it so you can double the jobs but you're only if you're only getting 25 percent of those people like your population's not going to move that much off of jobs alone yeah joe did you i don't know if this particular stat is in here or even possible to calculate, but I'm interested. Do you think it's true that South Bend has lost jobs held by people in South Bend? Oh yeah. I, I mean, for one and, and right now I'm doing research on like pre 1960 South Bend for the next piece, um, which is going to be really cool that we're going to go all the way back to like 1830 with the next piece. Um, back then, like up to probably World War II, you, you kind of had to live really close to where you worked. Right. Because most people didn't have cars. Cars didn't even exist till as like a consumer good till about the 19 teens and 1920s. So like there was the streetcar, but the streetcar depended on the city road network. So if you if you worked in South Bend, I I would bet like if we could do that number from like 1900, it would be like 98 percent. Like this is very much a phenomena of the post World War II suburbanization of cities that you could work in a place and choose not to live in it. Um, Unfortunately, like it's it's hard because if we go back and we look at like economic data for the city from, say, 1950, it says like how many people worked in manufacturing but that's how many people who lived in South Bend had the employment sector of manufacturing. It's not actually how many in, like jobs were in the city. Only recently has the census been tracking like how many actual just jobs are in this geographical area, regardless of who employs them uh, or regardless of where that person lives. But like I would imagine pre-World War II, the number was super high, maybe not 100 percent because there would always be the weird case. 
Um, and like Notre Dame did exist and that was outside of the city. Obviously it didn't employ nearly as many people, you know, 50, 60 years ago. Um, but I would bet it was close to 80, 90% and it's fallen as South Bend has failed to capture the growth in the suburbs. South Bend's percentage of people who work in South Bend has plummeted. Yeah. Mm. I I was struck by that when thinking about like your, the like income bracket charts, um, you know, like in terms of comparing South Bend to either Mishawaka or Notre Dame Granger and the county in terms of like the percentage of jobs in each, I think there's like three brackets you, you point out in terms of wages. And it seems like this weird, awkward, like exchange program has happened in which like there's physically located in South Bend is the highest besides Notre Dame. Um, the highest percentage of like top bracket jobs, but probably yeah. held by mostly by people who don't live in the city. Yeah. And then if you think about Mishawaka or the county, much uh, like a higher percentage in the bottom bracket, but I'm assuming there's a bunch of people who leave South Bend to the county or to Mishawaka. I'm thinking about like service, like type jobs yeah. on Great Road and all these, like where they actually work outside of the city in the lower paying jobs that exist outside the city. So it's like this weird it's, it's reversed, dance right? that's like happening. That's like, yeah, every day people get up and they leave where they live and go work somewhere else. And it, yeah. South Bend gets the short end of that stick. Um, yeah. And that's, we well, can and, yeah, just, on both sides. Clear, yeah. And just to be clear, this is moving into myth two yeah. now where you start to talk about like, yeah, in myth one, you're establishing like there are actually a lot of jobs in South Bend um but the makeup of those jobs then comes into question a lot of the time with we were talking about people saying oh it's just always you know low paying jobs uh yeah there's no good jobs here anymore um, right yeah, yeah and and myth 2 is kind of uh, addressing this that Dustin's yeah. talking about the the kind of the breakout of the kinds of jobs in South Bend and the county yeah and that's so the census and this is I got a lot of heat well, I shouldn't say a lot. I got some heat for saying that the job brackets, like what I call the top bracket job, wasn't that great, which part of me kind of laughed. Well, it's like, well, it's this and everything above it. So like even if this averaged out to be like because these are take home. So it was like you if you you were in the there, it broke breaks it into three brackets. Um, and if you make twenty dollars, I think it's about just about twenty dollars an hour take home. So that's after taxes and after insurance, you were in the top bracket. So I think that's like $25 to $28 an hour, like pre-tax, like what we usually talk about wage. Like it'd be like the 25 to 28, which I think is pretty good, like to be in the top third, like bracket. Like to me, that kind of makes sense. But it's everything above that too is included in that. So if you're making mm-hmm. 200 grand a year, you're in this bracket. It's not just like that one little sliver. But the census breaks it down into these three brackets and it does it by monthly pay, which I don't know why they would, but they do. Um, and so for simplicity's sake, I just called it like the top bracket, middle and bottom. And you can break it up like basically like, and it shows out in the numbers. These are about a third of the jobs in each category. And it's the complete opposite of what anyone would tell you. They think about this area where like Justin just kind of said in South Bend, the most the the forty one percent of the jobs in South Bend are in the top bracket. Thirty five are in this middle bracket, and only twenty four percent 
are in the lowest. And like, again, South Bend is the poorest place in the state, in the county, like by far median income, but it has the best jobs. That's just a fact. Mishawaka, which, and I'm not picking on them, but like they are, they are considered like, oh yeah, Mishawaka has a lot of good jobs. They're growing population. They have kind of almost the opposite. 32% are in their bottom, 37 are in their middle, and only 31 are in the top. So they're, they're most, like the most jobs they have are in the middle bracket, and then it's the bottom bracket, and then it's finally the top, which is like backwards to us, which it goes top, middle, bottom in a nice mm. way. Um, and I break it out in percentages, and you can look at the numbers even. Like Mishawaka actually has a lot of jobs for its population too, which kind of shows that even Mishawaka has failed to really capture its suburban growth. But like South Bend barely has more bottom bracket jobs. So it's got almost 14,000 and Mishawaka has almost 11,000. So like that's actually kind of close. But once you get to the middle and top bracket, South Bend almost has double Mishawaka in each. And if you just look at the very top bracket, we have like they have 10,000 jobs and we have like 23 and a half. So we have like two and a half times their good job, like the good jobs that they have, which again is not at all what anyone would tell you if you didn't see this in front of you. And like people still didn't believe it. Like that's kind of some of the pushback online was like, I just don't believe you. Like, where are these jobs? People (laughs) kept asking, where are these jobs? And like, I can run through a ton of employee employers in South Bend. Like I deal with them in my job. And like, once you start adding them all up, it's like, yeah, there's a lot of really good paying jobs. We still have a lot of banks are located like first source bank and TCU teachers credit union are two local are the two probably like biggest local financial institutions. Both of their headquarters are in downtown South Bend. And like, I think first source employs hundreds and hundreds of people. And so does TCU at that location. And those are all probably at the bottom. You're getting like bank teller who still probably maybe be in the middle bracket and then like up, like, you know, you're getting all your loan officers, every, you know, all your mortgage officers, all your executives, all your mid-level managers are all in South Bend. We have a ton of law firms that are based here. Barnes and Thornburg is building a brand new headquarters in South Bend and they have their split headquarter between us and Indy and they have law offices all over the country and half of their headquarters are here. So we have a ton of lawyers that work in downtown South Bend higher than like you'd think per our population. You know, we have mm-hmm. a lot of these jobs, Crow, Press Ganey, like there's a lot of white collar jobs that pay really, really well. Accountants, lawyers, professionals, IT people um, that live, that usually work in downtown or at least like in the area. And they most of them do not live here, but like the job is still here. And so it's, it's wrong to say South Bend doesn't have good jobs. Yeah. I definitely fall in this group of people that would have thought the opposite that like the majority of jobs in South Bend are towards the, the lower or the middle bracket. Um, and so I was surprised by these numbers. And as you and I chatted about this a little bit, one of my, kind of theories about why I think about it this way is that so much of the way that we think about employment in South Bend is still tied to our history as like a manufacturing center mm-hmm. and in, in particularly an industrial um, industrial uh, work yeah. place. And, but our kind of icons for that kind of work are 
either gone or largely not being used anymore. So we have these like large, empty industrial buildings um, that when I think of work in South Bend, that's what I think of um, and can kind of it mentally just kind of gloss over all of the um, all of these businesses uh, that employ a lot of people downtown and not just downtown, but um, in these office buildings. Uh, and I just, um, I think mentally that's not the first kind of visual um, like icon that I grab onto when I think about work in South Bend. Um, and that maybe that's something that we, uh, it would be advantageous for us to um, change that a little bit and how we think about what does work look like in a place like South Bend. Yeah. Yeah. There's, there's two kind of points I kind of want to touch on with that is you're, you're definitely right. Like our, our premier industry was, was manufacturing and that's largely dissipated, even though I do mention in the piece, like 12% or about 7,000 jobs in South Bend are still manufacturing, which mm-hmm. is 50% more than the national average. So even though Studebaker's gone, we still have a legacy of manufacturing that has significantly shrunk. Obviously, it used to be way higher, um, but we still have a legacy of that. You know, North American yeah. signs build signs in South Bend like we, we still build stuff here. Um, it's just at a much smaller scale, but we still have like, again, 12 percent of our jobs compared to 8 percent for the country. Like we're still we still have more manufacturing jobs than most places. Um, and then I run through a bunch of other of the types of jobs that we like way overperform for our like population. So like we have two thirds of the jobs in professional scientific and technical services. So you, like any of your IT positions, um, information and technology, 60 percent, um, you know, just public administration. So like South Bend is kind of the capital of St. Joe County. We're considered the county seat. So all the courthouses are here. All the judges work here. The jail is here. And like, yeah, those might not like when you think about like, well, those aren't private sector jobs, but it's still people working in South Bend um, in buildings that don't pay any taxes too, um, Mm -hmm. but are serviced by city roads and city sewers and stuff. Um, And three out of every four public administration jobs are in South Bend and 52% of our healthcare jobs. So even though South Bend famously lost St. Joe uh, Med Center to to Mishawaka, then this this data is way after that. So it would have accounted for that. We still have 52% of the healthcare jobs, even though we're only 38% of the population. So we have a lot of doctors and nurses and, you know, x-ray techs and dentist office that that are in South Bend. Um, and those are generally good jobs. Like healthcare is a, mm. you know, healthcare get, gets a lot of flack and, and rightfully so, cause it's too expensive. Um, but nurses are paid pretty well and they're, you know, you know, that's just kind of a fact. And so those aren't bad jobs. You know, it's not bad. The memorials here. Um, so yeah, it's, it's just not at all what people think about. And I, and Dustin kind of talked about this a little bit. Well, are those jobs accessible? is the part of it. It's like an attorney's office at like Barnes and Thorberg. When they hire a new attorney, it's almost a national search. It's definitely a regional search. Um, and you have to have qualifications. Like you've had to have gone to law school. Um, you know, a lot of these places I just mentioned, like Crow, um, which has a lot of accountants um, who get paid really well. 
you need to have an accounting degree and you need to be really good at accounting because Crow is a really good company. Um, so, and the competition again is probably regional because there's not that many accountants in the country. You know, when an accounting job comes up, it's probably everybody within like hundred miles is looking at jobs in this area for accountants. Um, so it's not like these jobs are just like you can walk into an office and say, Hey, I want to work and you get a job the next day. Um, a lot of them, which the manufacturing jobs of old kind of were that way. If you had a good work ethic, you could probably work at Studebaker and not even have a high school degree and you could work 30 years and get a good pension. And, and like that is gone. And I'm not trying to sugarcoat that, um, by saying like we still have good jobs, but that's gone like everywhere in the country. That's not unique at all to South Bend. Like that type of manufacturing work is gone. Manufacturing has become very advanced. Um, there's a couple places. Elkhart's one of them, interestingly enough, where like that kind of atmosphere does exist because it's still a lot of labor intensive work building RVs. Um, however, they don't pay nearly as well as Studebaker paid and you don't get an awesome pension with it. So it's still not the quality that it used to be of job in manufacturing. Um, so mm. yeah. that's kind of one of the big things that's different. The, th- the thing that stands out to me too, Jake, you were talking about how like the image you have of what employment looks like in South Bend or in the Midwest. Mm. Like it, it feels, feels very different than like what these statistics say. But I also think just the relationship of place and employment looks like way different, right? Like it would be, it'd be very strange for a company located in South Bend 60, 70 years ago especially some of these big manufacturing companies to have someone work there that didn't probably live nearby. Like, and I don't just mean like within the city limits, but possibly like down the block. Whereas now, like literally in the time of COVID, like especially some of these white collar jobs, like the job could technically be quote unquote located in South Bend and the person could be anywhere you know, in terms yeah. of like where they actually live physically. Right. And so I think it's like, that's the other, like it's this like weird, even vernacular. Like when we say like the jobs are in South Bend or we're home to these jobs or these are like our jobs. Like we say that now and it really just means like, where's the headquarters of that job? And it doesn't say anything or it's like much less, tied now to like where's the home of the person who has that job um Mm. which seems to be like a lot of the tension that you see in the comments too which is like is that dissonance like yeah okay the numbers say this but that doesn't like it doesn't translate to like the people here and it seems like as those things get pulled further and further apart it's like an interesting question about how do cities think and deal with that um especially when you think about things like taxes and the difference between the taxes a business pay pay versus the taxes an individual who works for that business pay pay. And like what happens when those no longer are necessarily linked together. Yeah. And I, I, I do think so. I, I'm, I'm not a hundred percent certain how the census designated like job in place. Um, one that was interesting is because AM general is a really big employer in our area. You can see it on the map the factory like i attached um a jobs heat map that you can pull Mm -hmm. from this website and you can actually see the the big dot that is mishawaka 
um, that is, I'm sorry, aim general to the very far right of the screen. Um, so, but that made me think, well, okay, well, AM General is technically headquartered in South Bend, like their engineers and their corporate execs work downtown. So it's, it's advanced enough to know, like if a company has multiple locations, sure, how to put those in. So that is one interesting caveat to it is like all those jobs weren't given to South Bend because South Bend's like headquartered. Right. Um, I guess I'm, I'm saying more that like it says uh, like if you just think about the headquarter jobs, like the engineers, let's say staff accountants, things like that, the job being designated as being located in downtown South Bend doesn't say anything about the person who has the job. Oh, yeah. And, and 75 years ago, they were probably synonymous. Like they were probably the same. Like if you said a job was in South Bend, it's probably a very, very likely chance that the person holding that job was also in South Bend. And it seems oh, like yeah. that is starting to separate very quickly in a way that we don't like have even a good way to talk about yet in terms of like when we say South Bend has jobs, there's like very two, there's like, is South Bend home to that job? Or are we talking about like South Res- South Bend residents have that job? And those are now seem to like, your article to me says like, those are two very different statistics now in a way mm. that like, we don't even have a good way to talk about yet. Yeah. I mean, if, Purely, if you look at it, like South Bend should be the wealthiest place in the county because we have the best paying jobs. Like, that's just a fact that the data shows. But the reverse is true. Right. So clearly, like you, we have to look at these things. We have to look at your own residents and the jobs they have. And then you have to look at the jobs available in your city limits. Yeah. Um, and this is why we've said it multiple times on this podcast. Um, our job bracket has become very regional. Um, and that does not at all mean South Bend shouldn't do what it can to add jobs um, because it's still good for your city to have a lot of jobs. But that can't just be the end of it. Like there has to be another step behind adding jobs and also creating a quality place of live where people want to live and supporting the people who already live here um, with quality neighborhoods, quality, you know, uh, quality of life opportunities. Um, so it all ha- like there has to be a complete picture And like, that's probably the biggest thing. This article is really just hitting home that I try to get is like it jobs are very important, but they alone do not like make your city. Um, Yeah. Well, and it's something you you said in one of the, one of the first podcasts too, is like, we talked about the, the realization that like population decline and economic decline are not the same thing. And it's interesting because like what this article to me is kind of saying is that first part, which is like, we had population decline, but like, economically in terms of like the geography of the place of South Bend did not necessarily experience like economic decline as defined or are there good paying jobs located in South Bend? But the, the inverse is almost true here too. Like the economic decline of South Bend in terms of like average or median salary or wage of the person who lives in South Bend is also like not very tied to the population dynamics in some ways. Um, which is like, it's just a very, it's, it's a thing that I have not thought a lot about, which is like really striking to me now of why these vastly different narratives exist, um, from different people's points of view. You're having like, I think the data is showing two different things that happened and like, we can get them confused. Like, like I said, at the very beginning, deindustrialization, the loss of a lot of manufacturing jobs was bad. 
And we've seen that overall because over time, the county has gone from a little wealthier than the country on average to a little poorer than the country on average. Um, so that's kind of the big macro picture is like overall, all jobs in St. Joe County are slightly worse than they used to be 67 years ago. But at the time, all those really good manufacturing jobs helped create a white collar work environment in South Bend that gave birth to First Source Bank and gave birth to Teachers Credit Union and Barnes and Thornburg and all these other, you know, Crow and these these legacy institutions that when manufacturing closed, they they didn't close necessarily like we've lost some like there was a famous company called Alliance in South Bend that that went to Dallas. But those we hung on to a lot better than we did manufacturing jobs. And those jobs probably were only only grew up here because that manufacturing base. But once they grew up here and were established, they didn't leave when manufacturing shrank. Um, yeah. Cause like first source bank, like they, I think, I think I see on their commercials, like they were found in 1863, like very similar to when South Bend, they grew up with South Bend and now they have branches all over the region, at least all over Northern and Indiana, I think Southern Michigan. Um, but they're still headquartered here. And so they still have a couple hundred employees who call South Bend home, you know, in addition to they have like five or six branches, I'm sure. Um, right. So that's a that's still a legacy job that, yeah, maybe First Source Bank doesn't get born if Studebaker doesn't exist, you know, in that big manufacturing boom. But it's still like we can still be proud that First Source Bank is here. Yeah. And that's a good lead into this third myth that you address about the city's role in spurring job growth. The myth, again, is South Bend has done nothing to combat deindustrialization and spur job growth. And you say that um, a lot of people will kind of throw out that this comes up in the comments a lot, mm -hmm. that as South Bend lost population, that the city didn't do much or maybe had some misadventures in um, how they would attract new jobs or create uh, new kinds of jobs. Can you talk through a little bit of that? Sure. Myth that you address. Yeah. And that that's always kind of like the second sentence after the first two myths, like, Oh, we lost all our good paying jobs and the city didn't do anything to stop it. Well, like yeah. I'm, I obviously like I might be biased. I am a city employee. Like I want that just like out there, like, but I'm talking about what the city's done for the past 50 years. So I'm not, and I'm not at all crediting myself with any of this. I was not responsible for any of this. Um, <laughs> the city, I think did its best. And I think actually you could make an argument did pretty well at retaining be staying the job center for the area, but where it kind of lacked was staying the population center. Um, we, we kind of failed. Mm -hmm. we, we tried to do a lot of annexations that got pushed up in court and, we, like the city just didn't achieve its goal where I think there's multiple examples of South Bend attracting new jobs and retaining jobs for one thing, like places like all the companies I just mentioned, first source Barnes, Prescani, Crow, they're all still here. They didn't up, get up and leave. They could have easily gone to Mishawaka. Some have like that's famously a couple, there were a couple big losses um, that used to be in downtown South Bend and moved out to like, uh, Edison Parkway in Mishawaka, but like a lot of them stayed and like, how much can you attribute that to the city and how much can you attribute that to just the company saying, no, we're going to stay in South Bend and like 
either from nostalgic and like community purposes or just like it makes the most sense because like those types of jobs are make most sense in a downtown atmosphere like i i can't who who knows like on all these cases um but we didn't lose them so like that's obviously evidence one and two um there's a couple instances i pull out where like this the city did something that you can say was the cause of these jobs and the one i i post photos of um it's kind of the opposite of the photos from the previous piece it's a uh, it shows 1998 um our far northwest count corner north of the airport and basically it has the current city boundaries on it and it's very largely farm fields um and then you go to today 2019 and it's an explosion like i think 30 i think i counted like 35 new 35 to like 40 huge new buildings um yeah that are and like these buildings are massive if ever anyone's ever been out to this area just go fuck a drive like these are the studebaker of today not in like their impact on the city but like they're just huge buildings if you look mm. in that photo you can see like on the left and on the far right like those tiny little plots those are houses and like you can see the tiny, tiny white dot that represents like probably a 2000 square foot to 3000 square foot house. <laughs> and then like, that's a speck on the map. Like I zoomed out really far to capture this whole area. And like these buildings are massive, hundreds of thousands of square foot. And a lot of this is warehousing, but a lot of it's manufacturing. Um, you know, a lot of these companies, federal moguls out here, which manufactures um, car parts, like there's still a lot of like logistics and manufacturing and aerosol manufacturers out here that the city, I just don't think people give it credit for. Like, obviously, these companies were, you know, they're the ones creating the jobs at the end of the day. But like this was a ton of infrastructure the city put in place. Like if you look, the roads literally didn't exist, a lot of them in 1998. And like that was the foresight of the city to put these roads in. A lot of these companies were attracted here from tax abatements and other incentives um, that sometimes are controversial. But then at the same time, well, you're saying the city needs to attract jobs. Well, this is how you do it. Um, and I think the evidence has kind of paid off. Like it's probably looks a little prescient um, that COVID hit now and like warehousing and delivery jobs are all are, are obviously just going through the roof. Well, we are the, the area where that happens in St. Joe County. Like we have the intersection of the bypass and the toll road and the city took that prime location and we annexed a ton of land. Um, one thing that the 1998 photo doesn't really show you is that wasn't the city boundaries in 98 that's the city boundaries now um and so we annexed land like we actively went out and recruited a lot of these companies um and i'm not saying like the city didn't do it didn't do it all right but clearly there was an effect that was positive um like these companies employ a ton of people now how many live in the city that's the question but they do employ a ton of people for our area um my wife works out here actually like that you know there's a ton of jobs out there in the far Northwest. Um, and I, we're seeing complaints from County residents of all the traffic. Like that's, mm. that's a main concern is cause there's so much truck traffic now. Um, and, and you can, you can obviously say, you know, these jobs aren't as good as the jobs that left and all those things. But I don't think you, I think this is a prime example of the city did something. It was proactive and it has gotten mm. a good return. Um, like we're still like a lot of these buildings are new, like within the last three or four years. And there's, there's, we're, we're constantly working on projects, bringing more. 
um, right. more spec buildings because they get filled. Cause this is just, it's, we have a lot of really good assets in South Bend for this industry. And like, we should take advantage of it. And the city has. Um, so I think that's just one, I could have done a lot of different ones, but I want to do this one just cause it has such a physical manifestation. Like look how much the area has changed. Um, right. as, as yeah, it is interesting to your point about people not really noticing that growth and the city's role in that, um, I think it is hard to keep that top of mind or even get your mind around it in the first place when we have a decent amount of like empty land or empty buildings in the city. Um, and not saying that like all of these jobs in these new buildings could have filled these old buildings. That's sure. not what I'm saying here. No, I totally. But it is like a hard thing to get our minds around when like we live in these neighborhoods that are kind of dotted by these uh, empty buildings that haven't been filled. Um, and we're told that there's this growth in um, the manufacturing or logistics um, over out there, uh, you know, out like still in the city, but kind of outside of where what most of, of us. Um, yeah. yeah. What we think of the city or where we, spend any time uh like for me i you know if i'm going into michigan it's like there's like a 10 second stretch where like i look over and it's like oh they're building a new big like box there and that's kind of my interaction yeah. with that part yeah i think you're you're totally right is it's because there's no reason to be out there unless you work out there like it's not like these are places mm -hmm. where you go for a stroll or there's like you know restaurants like it's purely a, an industrial area um it's all zoned i industrial and that's what's out there um which is probably if you were designing a city from scratch how you do it like you wouldn't put your industry right in the middle of your city you'd put it on the edge and like have a pure area just for industry um, because there's negative consequences to it, semis and, you know, any type of pollution. Um, but you're absolutely right. Like, I, I think, you know, we talk in the office and stuff and in an ideal world, all these j jobs would have came in and gone where Studebaker was and where Oliver was. Yeah. Um, but they're out there because that's the intersection of the two highways. Um, right. And maybe the city, uh, another one I do mention um, as an example of like active city led things that we've seen really good results from is um, Ignition Park, which was where when I was growing up, I mentioned like playing in the Studebaker factories. That's where they were. All that land mm. was Studebaker yeah. and the city. It cost a ton of money, but the city eventually got title to it all and tore it all down because it sat vacant for 30 years. Um, so starting in the 90s under Mayor Licky, that was a bit and I maybe even Kernan, I'm not sure how far it goes back, but like a lot of people were sad to see the Studebaker buildings go. But like we were never going to they were just outdated. They were never going to be used for fat for manufacturing again. And like we have a gigantic one left and we're you know, it's taking all the ideas in the world to fill it. And that's just one <laughs> like that's just yeah. one we're trying to fill and like the administration building. Um, but so we, we tore them all down. We made it a greenfield. And so like in real estate, like there's brownfields and greenfields and a brownfield is basically an old industrial site that went out of business and eat and you, you then the, the company that wants to come in has to pay a bunch of money just to get the site ready to build its own thing. 
and obviously we would we'd love to see re- adaptive reuse of buildings like we we push it all the time we've changed our zoning code to to push for adaptive reuse of buildings but at some point like these manufacturing buildings were built for a specific purpose and it's hard to do anything else in them especially it's hard when you have to do five million dollars in in environmental abatements because they're poisonous land um so in ignition park the city did do that it took a ton of money and we've seen slowly the fruits of that labor um notre dame in a partnership with general electric is building like turbo factory or turbo engines out there um which is really cool like that's something that's happening in south bend uh data realty uh is a new company spun off of notre dame that is i think they have like 30 to 50 employees that do data management um because we have some of the best fiber optic cables in the country right there um and then prescani right now is building a headquarters for 500 people at that low in ignition park so you can say the city didn't do it right and you can say it didn't, you know, maybe it didn't do enough or did it the wrong way. But you can't say the city did nothing like it, the city definitely tried. And by city, I'm not even just saying the government. I'm saying like the whole city, like this took community efforts too. like there's been a ton of community efforts to rehab old building. Lang Lab is one of those cases where yeah. it was a community where Jake, where you work is one of those cases where here was Zyker's, you know, a, a good South Bend company that didn't want to abandon the city. Um, so yeah. the community and the government have worked together and like, obviously we could always do more, but like I wanted to do this piece just because I always see like, well, the city government didn't do anything. And like the people just let it go to crap when like, we've done a ton of stuff. Not all of them, like not all of it worked, but like we've tried, like that's all you can do. Right. You can try. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So where are you going with the next article? Yeah. So this one I think is kind of a stage setter for the, the previous next pieces. So like, I think we've kind of established, or at least I've established in my mind enough proof that like, there's a lot of jobs in South Bend. So a lot of, and a lot of people work in South Bend who don't live here. So that's kind of like the situation. And so the next article is starting to address why, like, why did that happen? Mm-hmm. Um, so it's going to be a history of annexations in the city. Um, going back, nice. starting in 1831 when South Bend was first platted to today. Um, and it's going to center around. So I'm going to tell the history of, cities used to it was either the city or it was rural like that was it there was no like the city grew and it gobbled up some farmland and then immediately after the city there was more farmland obviously suburbs changed everything and it it changed how cities grow where you you had urban growth not in the cities anymore um and so we're gonna dive into why that happened and it it's gonna be framed around what i'm calling like a war that the city fought against what i'm saying it's hinterland um in the 1990s and it it literally was a war like of words and of court cases and eventually of laws so um not to get into it too much but uh the city in the 90s really realized like hey we need more people these people like a lot of people work here we provide a ton of the amenities that make Sacho county a, a great place to live but every decade more and more people live outside of the city but still use all those resources and the people left in the city who are shrinking in population and are poor on average are stuck with the bill um 
and so they uh, there was a push for annexations, which started off this basically war between South Bend and the suburbs um, that resulted in the state law. So the Indiana state legislator passed a law only for St. Joe County limiting an- annexations. <laughs> like oh the whole state voted that only St. Joe County and like Mishawaka kind of got like pushed in with us, like because like by being suckers basically and even though like mishawaka fought the law really hard too um but basically they've passed a law only and only specifying saint joe county and they did it by population so they said like a county of this specific population and like saint joe county was the only one in the state <laughs> I'm, I'm not it's like crazy that was like the conclusion of this war is the city was trying to annex these areas that for all intents and purposes are south bend um but choose to not be because it's really beneficial to them to choose to not be even though and like very few negative consequences um and it was led by two state reps who introduced the bill from granger it was a democrat and a republican state reps of granger who pushed for this bill and got it passed um the city claimed it was illegal um and i think i i haven't gotten quite to that point of the story but i'm pretty sure one of my uh Coworker said it the court system after a couple years finally deemed it illegal um but that's crazy right that the suburbs fought so hard to stay unincorporated that they changed state law to prevent south bend from annexing them yeah like that's how much they didn't want to be in south bend and i'm there's gonna be a whole piece or a whole quotes page where I have this giant file on this and it was every, it was the only thing that was in like the letter to the editor in, in the early nineties. Like that was huge. Like now I think the Tribune publishes like three a day of like people who mm. write into the paper back then they published like 20 and like every, yeah. during this time period of this, like two years that I'm calling this war every single day, there was some, there was either a South Bend resident or a County resident talking about annexation. And like, they say, really mean things <laughs> like both ways <laughs> but really from like there i'm gonna have a whole like section like 20 quotes of like people who who wanted this published saying just awful things about south bend um and then wow. south bend residents saying like we should tax every single suburbanite who comes into the city when they get <laughs> here we should have a toll road like they were like we should set up a toll at every intersection and make them pay to come in because that's where their jobs are and like he was kind of joking yeah but like Man, he, was I... a, he was a former professor at iusb so like it wasn't like this guy was like a no like nobody yeah. like he wrote i found like 10 art editorials he wrote to the tribune about like how vehemently he was saying like the city is being screwed and i got the idea of calling this a war because he called it that he said the city needs to prepare for the annexation war um and it's Man, I, we need to get this guy on here i, I i'm interested unfortunately, in this idea he passed away i oh my I, yeah he gosh. passed away in 99 um well we need to carry on this this torch uh i'm interested in the toll booth idea yeah he had he had all the and like they were kind of like tongue-in-cheek um even the the tribune editorial page like the tribune when they published their own opinion had like a ton of pieces on this that i'm gonna quote too at the time and they were kind of on South Bend side. They were saying like the city needs to do this, but they were saying like the city should be nicer about it and like make it make a case for why people should want to be in the city. Um, but they even joked kind of at one point, like the city should just 
de uh, de incorporate itself. So then everybody's on the same page again. <laughs> like that was like, well, if you really <laughs> don't want to be on like in a team, like we're just going to join your team. Like that was like they, they said South of Amishawaka <laughs> should throw away their city charters. Like that was how crazy it got. And like in 96, it's like the like the back door to Unigov. Like, yeah, right. yeah, exactly. Like, OK, there's no Fine. city anymore. You don't want to be on our team. We want to be on yours. Yeah. <laughs> yep. We're all just the county. Yeah. Like that was and like current it like that was never really going to happen. But like that was a serious editorial, like making that point. Like this is how ridiculous this is. Um and there's Jeez. a lot of really interesting characters. So like the whole piece is going to center around the war. But then I'm going to say like, this is how it used to happen pre world war two. Like it was not this fight. Like if people wanted roads, they joined the city. Um, you know, if you were a farmer, totally made sense. Don't be in the city. But like, if you work in the city and you kind of, you live in a pretty dense ish neighborhood where like you have neighbors and you have sidewalks and stuff like you're the city, like that's pretty obvious. Um, so it'll be it'll be a really interesting piece. It's, it's history because it's like 30 years ago now. Um, but a lot of these people are still alive who right. were major players in this. Um, and I, I would bet all of them think they did the right thing. So I'm going to try to be careful with with how it goes. But I just want to tell the story and not and I'm gonna try to keep my editorializing like out of it and just tell like the timeline of events. And a lot of it, it's going to be articles from that period. Like there was a lot of stuff that was said about this city um, from people. And what, what I'll, I'll leave with this, like, unless you guys have anything else like to add to it, but the one that kind of cracked me up the most was this woman. She writes and she says, as residents of clay township have said before, we don't want the city. We don't need the city. Clay township residents will fight and win the battle. We will not be annexed by South bend. And then her tagline, like, is Dolores Cooper South Bend. <laughs> like that's the right, like that's where she because <laughs> she has a South Bend address. Um, it's just not in the city limits, but like we will not, you know, we will win the battle. Like they framed it that way as a fight to keep out of South Bend. Um, right. And a lot of it was property taxes and just not wanting to be a part of democratic, diverse, minority heavy South Bend. Like there's a lot of racial undertones to it. Yeah. Um, which are really sad when you read them, especially now, like we're 30 years removed. So some of the language, like I don't like the term politically correct, but like some of the language used is like really explicit. Like there's a lot of crime and it's, they blame it on the fact that there's minorities in South Bend um, yeah. and they don't want to be a part of it. Like that's kind of their, their argument. Um, and like, you can't make me is basically the, the thing. And they went and changed state law to get it done. Wow. Well, well, I cannot wait. Yeah, and to read this. And one more thing: so there's going to be a a one more week gap that normally doesn't. So we've been doing it um, every two weeks. An article comes out. Um, it's just been a breakneck pace that I can't keep anymore. <laughs> um, trying to do these on the weekends <laughs> and at night, like it's just been difficult. Um, and this piece is taking a ton of research that it's more than just looking at census data and making conclusion. Like it's, it's digging into a lot of old city files, um, and, and tribune files. So, uh, yeah, it'll probably take an extra week. Um, but it, I think it'll be worth the wait. Awesome. Great. Well, we look forward to it. And, uh, this was great. You have yet to give us, uh, Anything boring 
That is for sure. Good. The second I do, that means the series should be over. <laughs> like, I'm always afraid that it's going to go too far. So I, I think what I just kind of an outline for the rest, we're going to do an annex, this annexation piece and then a piece about schools, which will probably be a lot shorter because it was going to be part of the annexation piece. But we thought it was best to separate the items. Um, and then it'll probably finish with a kind of what did South Bend do right? And like, how did, yeah, South Bend suffered really bad. But like, there are a lot of cities that look just like South Bend in 1950 that ended up a lot worse than us. Um, so not really, how did we lose 30,000? But how did we keep our 100,000? Um, mm. And that'll probably be the end of the traditional series um, until the 2020 census comes out. And we'll dive into that then. Hmm. Cool. And that's what you think right now, but that's I mean, what I think right now. I, the whole I thought, outline at the beginning was different too. So yeah, yeah, that's that's right now. So I know the next two pieces are annexation and schools, and then there might be more stuff that comes up. Like I thought I had two more pieces left two pieces ago. So the articles <laughs> just keep coming. And and you're right, Jacob. Who knows? Why should I even try to plan it? <laughs>